So let's say it is premenstrual time that you're wanting the chocolate. Well, just don't have it available in the house so that it's like a big giant job to actually go out and get it. Hi, I'm Mary Wong. And I'm Dr. Tanya Wild. We're wellness experts, fertility strategists, and moms who overcame infertility infusing science and all things natural. We are on a mission to boost your mood, your bod, and your inner mama spirit as you navigate this thing called life. From fertility to pregnancy and mamahood through menopause. Think of us as your own personal fertility squad as you make, grow, birth, and raise your baby. Fasten your seatbelts, lean lean in, and get ready to learn and be encouraged. This is my Fertology Podcast. Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Fertility Talks. It's live right now. And then later on, we are going to have it on my Fertology, our podcast with Dr. Tanya Wild and myself from Alive Holistic Health Clinic. So we are super honored to be here. And this is uh, Canadian Infertility Awareness Week. So we're going to talk all things about teaching you how to be um, well, we want to help you thrive in your life. And as a person with a uterus or a womb, we're going to specifically talk about your hormonal health, your menstrual cycle as you navigate your days. So why don't we step to it so that we can get on with the show? <laughs> I, think I think it's so important to do some really basic observations of self as you kind of cycle through life and something that we don't get taught uh, early enough is tracking our day ones. Did you track your day ones of your cycles when you were younger, Mary? Absolutely. I think I started tracking them when I was early twenties, if not earlier. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yourself. I think it was probably in university. So yeah, early twenties. And for me, it was because I felt like I, my cycles were all over the place. I kind of noticed there was something different. And I discovered later in my late 20s uh, that I had polycystic ovary syndrome. And the solution back then was not to educate me on why my cycles were regular or why I was having painful periods. It was to take the pill. And I thought, okay, great solution. Keep this simple. Jumped on the pill. Um, but prior to the pill, I would track my day ones. When I was on the pill, I did not. But right, it of course. so much information about about your body when you track your day ones because you track your day one and then you kind of pay attention to something else called your uh, egg white cervical mucus mid-cycle. Did you ever pay attention to that? Nobody probably told you yeah. that. Well, you know what? Not in my early years, especially when I, when I wasn't trying to conceive in any way. It's not something that was part of, I was just tracking literally my cycles, how long it was, um, and then how many days of bleeding, how heavy it was, and but I wasn't tracking my cervical mucus at the but time. I think, it's, I think it's good for a few reasons. So when you're younger, um, to understand what ovulation is, because hormones as they relate to our mental health is important so when you're younger and you're first starting your menstrual cycles your cycles could be regular not because of some condition like polycystic ovary syndrome but because your ovaries are literally waking up so if you're a teenager and you're just getting your menstrual cycle and 
you happen to notice when you're wiping and you go to the bathroom, a slippery discharge and you don't know what it is. You just ignore it. You go on your way. But it's an indication that in a couple of weeks, you're probably going to get your period. So if your cycles are irregular because you're just starting out and maybe they're coming every three months or, you know, or a little bit more regular at first or irregular at first and, and more often, it kind of helps you so that you can predict uh, perhaps a feeling of, um, you know, fatigue and mood changes, perhaps acne so there's good reasons to understand when you're ovulating because that what never changes is the second half of the cycle that's always two weeks so if you're you know getting signs of ovulation or this egg white discharge you can say okay in the next couple of weeks my i might start to get a little tired i might start to get a little bit moody and it's good to talk to your you know your parent your mom about it and you know, realize there are things you can do, being more active, eating healthier, avoiding junk food, sugar, um, and and even expressing your emotions. Like I feel frustrated or I feel angry, I feel tired, and then really protecting your sleep. So as a young woman to, to understand that would be, I think, so helpful because even these days with, you know, isolation and COVID and not being able to connect with your friends as much, right? There's, it's important to understand your mood and your hormones and how they play a role. I love this. And, you know, as you're a more mature woman and in a working environment, this is where you can also begin to look at um, how you deal with your actual work itself and your workload, right? So Jenna Kutcher actually spoke to this and I love that because she has no health background at all, but I guess she must have been seeing enough practitioners to know that, okay, during, you know, ovulatory time, that's the best time that I should be connecting with someone, right? Because that's the oxytocin levels go higher. Like this is literally the time that in the wild that you may want to conceive. Right. And so when it comes to work, this is a time to be more engaged because you're naturally driven to do so. Right. And also when you're more creative, yes. you have more creativity because your estrogen is flowing and it's easier. Like work comes easier to you. You actually have like a little bit of a surge in energy, right? Yes. Because like you're saying, you're naturally ready to conceive. So to connect, to create, to uh, get work done. If you've got this project that you felt like you've been stuck on for a while, then, you know, don't try to initiate a new project or new idea when you're premenstrual, do it when you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, so, because premenstrually, because people tend to become more stuck. Yes. If things aren't flowing freely, it can get more stuck, right? right. So interesting for you because you said like um, you may be more tired. Actually, for me, premenstrually, it's like I want I I had this inkling, this desire to move more because I didn't want to feel that stagnation. So even yes. it's like your body's getting ready to bleed, and so it's like you need to push it out more. So that's actually a great time to be more active, and then we revere and and um, respect our bodies when it comes to menstrual time 100%. because it's a time time for quiet too but the problem is is that we live in a nuclear family we are women working like we're pretending that we work like a man in a woman's body and we're pretending that we're not even menstruating like it's ridiculous right that's we you know go back to our last episode where we spoke about you know how we use tampons and we just kind of go about our days right and it's like no we need to actually respect that we are menstruating i don't know if you read the book um, the Red Tent Sisters or something? The Red Tent? It's an amazing book. Wasn't it Blood 
um, Blood Bread and Roses, and then it was about the Red Tent or a different one? No, this is okay. actually called the Red Tent. The Red and tent. I love Blood Bread and Roses, I think, talks about that. Right. And, and they use like menstrual period for like lipstick. Did you, oh, and then they, and no. they, hide it. they go in the tents to like, you know, connect when they're yes. breastfeeding. Yes. Yeah. So they're maybe they go into the tent. They go into yeah. the tent. Okay. So the concept is, you know, it's, we need to be communal. And so women, you know, as they start to like, we're in COVID, so we're not hanging out. But if we were all hanging out together as women, then we begin to cycle together. Mm-hmm. But the moon and we're living out, you know, in nature, then we literally cycle together. And then it's an opportune time as we're menstruating to help feed ourselves and each other. And it's time to, you know, uh, rub each other's backs and give each other massages and eat warm foods and just lie back and read books together. Right. But no, we're in a society. We have, we have to like, um, produce (laughs) (laughs) every second of the day and so it's like we're we're not even like respecting ourselves as our womanly form yeah that's testosterone right and so when we're ovulating there's the estrogen surge the oxytocin and there's also a surge in testosterone so for women who get acne they often notice just before their cycle they'll get a little bit of acne because of the testosterone excess but then also mid-cycle but the cool thing about that little testosterone hump is that you also get that motivation to do to produce to be creative and you're absolutely right we need to uh, somehow reframe so that we can connect and get back to red 10 times in some way shape or form Um, and if you didn't have all the lights of the city we would be ovulating together and when I lived in university in the dorm we all ovulated together somehow like our hormones just started to feed off of each other till I went on the pill and then that was when people uh, found that uh, you know they'd be like my roommate would be like I got my period again and I'm like oh it's my day one (laughs) yes yeah. We're controlling each other's hormones. It's one of those interesting things when you live together. Um, and so that's even more of a reason to understand your cycles, because if your your moods are shifting altogether, you want to be uh, kind and considerate to each other. And if there's men in the house, also being, you know, letting them be aware as well, because they might not understand. And that fatigue that some women will get before their period, like you mentioned, if you work out, that can definitely improve that fatigue because it is often stagnation or like that blocked energy unless there's something bigger going on like an iron deficiency yes absolutely and and sometimes those iron deficiencies or hemoglobin deficiencies and which causes you extreme fatigue that might actually contribute from like excessive heavy periods and we again we spoke to this in our last episode so you can check that out but you know if you're having really heavy periods or what i call flooding periods well that's a sign that perhaps you need to address it you can get some baseline testing sometimes it's um it could be fibroids that you may not even know that is sitting there or mid-cycle bleeding i often see some women may have like polyps that need to be addressed and sometimes it could be done more naturally but if it's really over the top and crazy big it may require surgical or other kinds of interventions and um any thoughts around that so more more that i another thing to think about is if you're um, sorry, not pertaining to the heavy bleeding, but um, 
I mean, other than maybe progesterone deficiency, sometimes uh, if you have like estrogen dominant kind of condition where uh, maybe you're perimenopausal and your your brain is kind of telling your ovaries to produce more than one follicle, you produce more estrogen. So you'll have heavy bleeds or in cases of women with polycystic ovary syndrome, perhaps they're not even ovulating. And so then their brain tells their ovaries, come on, wake up, ovulate. And then a bunch of estrogen gets produced, but you get a withdrawal bleed instead of a real bleed, like instead of a sort yes. of ovulation bleed. And so those can be very heavy as well. Um, but jumping back to kind of just understanding yourself as you go through menstrual cycles, if you're upset about something and you're really irritated about something, perhaps with your spouse, your partner or a parent, uh, sibling, it's so important to not try to address that problem when you're premenstrual. Instead, address it through sharing your feeling, maybe through a journal or a friend, and then come back to that person that, you know, you're maybe having the issue with around ovulation time to problem solve. <laughs> it's a much better way to kind of address right. the emotion. So like you express the emotion, like I feel this perhaps to, you know, somebody else other than the person and then coming back to the, then discussing what the issue is around ovulation when you're, um, you're more likely to have a better problem solving feeling like you, you're more able to be receptive to speaking about it. I can't agree with you more. And so put, let's put it into real time and with a real example. Let's say your partner just pisses you off that in that moment doing whatever they did. And um, you just want to scream and kick and scream and yell and and like just make them feel really bad. So how do you stop yourself in that moment? So it's recognizing your cycle and saying, okay, I've seen the clear goopy discharge in the next week or two, my mood may change. And so I'm going to go off. I'm going to excommunicate. Perhaps you need, for some people, they want closeness when they're feeling like that. So they might need a hug for some people. They might want to go off into a room. So really have to learn uh, yourself, like learn what your needs are and communicate that. As soon as you know what you need, you can say, partner, I need space or partner, I need a hug. I just need a hug. I don't want to talk about it. I just need a hug. And then you can journal about how you're feeling or talk to a friend, right? So in that moment is recognizing what are your needs and and then perhaps you need to go for a run or go work out because that's really helpful in those moments. And then you can process it later. But perhaps you're somebody who needs to deal with it in the moment. You could start by just communicating to your partner, I feel this, and then cry it out. There's nothing wrong with crying. In fact, it's very emotionally releasing. Um, it, you might not come up with like solutions or uh, problem solving. Men tend to want to problem solve. So you could say... I need to cry and I don't want to find a problem, a solution to this, but I would love to talk to you about it later. Right. So you could. Yes. Yeah. I, I just want to add it because this just happened the other day and it was so funny because, you know, I got triggered. He said something like, let's say I can't even remember what it was, but, you know, I say something and instead of getting, oh, you know, like the act of listening, he didn't do that. So I actually called him out. I said, listen, all I need right now is for you to, just listen. You don't need to add, give advice. Um, just listen. So then he's like, mm -hmm, okay. And then he had to like literally like <laughs> seal, like, his mouth. seal his mouth. And yeah. then he's listening. I said, okay. And then 
I'm talking. I said, did you hear what I said? Can you repeat it back to me? So I'm actually teaching him how to do this because isn't it true that men are a fix it kind of guy, right? Like, you know, and, and I shouldn't just um, stereotype and say just men. Totally. Yeah. Cause right? we do too. We, try we can, do, we can do that as well. So whoever your partner is, or it doesn't even have to be a partner. It could be a friend or a colleague, whatever you're just reactive. And so it's about you taking onus and being responsible for yourself and check in and say, Hmm, I'm not feeling good about this right now. Do I say, I need to communicate this right this minute and say, this is not working and I need this. Or you could actually check in, take a deep breath and say, you know what? I just can't even talk about this right now. So I'm just going to step away. Right. And then when you're in that place of calm, I forget who told me. It's kind of like if you have two dogs that are like barking at each other, fighting, you don't jump and intervene and you'll get attacked. You'll get hurt. Right. So if you're in that place, maybe in that moment, it's not the time to figure things out and like, let's change the way I do things. But wait until you come to when you're saying the normal, it's like, hmm, how did and reflect back and go, how did that go? And then that self-responsibility is how am I going to share this with whoever I'm having this difficulty with? How do I, and when do I articulate? And it might be at a time, like, you know, like these days I'm like pretty irritable. So maybe I need to wait until a time in my cycle where I'm more chill. Rational. Rational. Because hormones can make you irrational for real. Yes. For Some real. things that you can do to help get those hormones a little bit more uh, balanced, I guess you could say would be to work out, would be to eat more healthy carbohydrates because people are often trying to lose weight and intermittent fast, but it's really important to do intuitive eating and perhaps up your healthy carbohydrates so that you're not then binge eating and then got getting highs and lows with your insulin and, and, you know, low blood sugars, and then even more irritable. Um, so, so good because here's the thing, right? Because when you are in that irritable funk or fearful or worried, what do you do for those people that do this, myself sometimes included, where it's like, I'll just have a chocolate because right <laughs> yeah. this is what I need, right? To fill that kind of void emotionally. And it's like, so sometimes it's good, but if you do it, it's like, let's, let's just really dial it right down. So it's not like total binge eating, right? Yes. But, but prevent yourself and recognizing. So let's say it is premenstrual time that you're wanting the chocolate. Well, just don't have it available in the house. So that it's like a big giant job to actually go out and get it. And when you go out and get it, like try to find the, like the best quality. And when you actually surrender to that piece of chocolate, and this is actually what I do. I'll literally, literally take a tiny, tiny bite and I close my eyes and I make it like a really meditative, like a, awesome orgasmic experience so then i don't feel bad and it literally can be therapeutic in that way right yeah i intentionally buy myself some salted dark chocolate um and i'll eat it as you will and enjoy it i will however and do recommend people uh, if they're trying to maintain a healthy weight or healthy hormones to eat healthy meals still pre eating the chocolate so yes. that, that way they're not let's say kind of binging on it. Cause you know, it's so easy to like when you're fasting or in between meals 
to want to eat the whole bar. But if in this yes. way, maybe you have a couple squares for a few days and, you know, chocolate's high in fat and magnesium, which is we often lack in when we're premenstrual and uh, sugar. So gives you that kind of nice little hit um, of magnesium and sugar and fat and there's nothing wrong with it. I think everything in balance, it's trying to find, like you're saying, strategies to avoid the binging. Mm-hmm. And, and I loved what you mentioned too. It's like, so, um, and when you're binging, what happens? You, you, and then you feel sick and then you don't even want to eat healthy food. So you start with the healthy and then say, okay, I'm going to eat this healthy bit first. And then I'll allow myself a little bit of this dark chocolate. And then I'll feel satiated yeah. versus I binge like crazy. I feel like crap. And then I can't even eat something healthy because I feel horrible. And then you get hungry again later and then you may tend towards more chunk food, right? Yeah. And how do you do all this? You track your cycles because if you're the more in tune you are with yourself, the more you'll know when to expect that. And typically that's the week before your menstrual cycle hits. If you're someone who's irregular, perhaps you're a teenager, perhaps you're perimenopausal. So menopause is coming soon. Your cycles are going to be irregular or perhaps you have polycystic ovary syndrome. So, or you have an underactive thyroid. So there's so many different scenarios where your cycles can be irregular. The one thing that's more predictable is that egg white cervical mucus. And if you're not seeing that and you have no idea how to predict that, you know, two week window before your periods, um, then see a professional and get guidance on that because there are other strategies as well. But those are like the top two, uh, tracking your day ones and getting an app perhaps to help remind you. My app, my flow app will tell me your your estrogen's on the rise now. (laughs) You're about to ovulate. And so I'm like, oh, yay. Time to get creative. (laughs) Mary, let's do a podcast. <laughs> that's so funny right and and so yeah. and like going back to that like how can you when you start getting more in tune then you can actually um set certain meetings at certain times of the month i mean obviously certain things you can't control so much but if you can then yeah maybe time it towards certain parts of your cycle Yes, it's very good professionally, career-wise, when you're building your business. Absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know, even the the load, the load of work, right? So it's like, oh, at this time, I think I need to, like, slow it down. And then other times in the cycle, I can dial it back up. And and so it's not about feeling guilty or wrong and needing to produce the exact same way every single day of the month. We're not men. We're not, where cycles are different. So it's like, I think we need to look at, our uh, productivity in terms of a month rather than in terms of one day. Yes. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this when you were menstruating the week before your period, did you feel like you needed to clean more? (laughs) Probably. I think so. Okay. So guys, I am like way postmenopausal. So it's going to be, it's been a while. Right. But I think I did. Sure. Yeah. So, and I think it's probably relates and connects to you getting ready. Like if you're the week before your period, instinctually, your body thinks that you could be pregnant. So you're like organizing and getting ready and having everything in its place. Um, So it's, it's a, instead of fighting it, now I embrace it. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I also learned that um, from Alison Armstrong, who is awesome. She talks about hormones and relationships and how, uh, you know, your communication can improve through uh, kind of recognizing uh, your hormones. Anyhow, so she was saying that, um, you know, back in nature, when we were 
being hunted and hunting when we lived off the land, uh, if if a tree was out of place, that meant that perhaps a predator was behind the bush. And so we wanted everything in its place to just be very aware of our environment to keep us safe. So when we want to organize, like, you know, for by the fireplace and taking care of our kids and that man's off hunting perhaps, and then coming back and slapping down the animal he's hunted. And we're just trying to keep our babies safe. So we want everything in its place because otherwise it's a bit of a threat. So instead of fighting, wanting to clean and organize, I embrace it, recognizing that it's like my safety. It kind of keeps me feel like everything is, uh, you know, it's organized and it's no longer uh, like a threat. So, wow, cool. Um, so, share and like, please comment, give us some suggestions of what you would like to hear because we always love to cover all things life and fertility in your fertile years. Okay, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye.